0: Well, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open them up with me to Second Samuel 15. This week's episode in 2nd Samuel, it's been like a saga, hasn't it? Well, it's going to get worse. Some things are going to be happening pretty soon in Second Samuel. That's going to break the heart of David and reveal our hearts. Show us something about ourselves. David' sin is coming back to haunt him. His children have been influenced by it. They are not being held accountable for his sin. He is not being held accountable for their sin, but his sin has influenced them. His sin of adultery has brought much anger in one of his children by the name of Absalom. We've been talking about Absalom. And Absalom has rebelled against his father as a father. And he's rebelled against his father as a king as well. And he wants his father dead. And he wants his father's throne. He wants to be king. And he spends a number of years manipulating and working. We talked about it last week. If you didn't hear that message, go back. It's on YouTube. Go back and watch it. It's called the Absalom Method and how a rebel works and how a rebellious heart against the king, against the Lord, works. And uh, it's going to turn out to be a disaster as we will see in weeks to come. But now Absalom has marshaled his forces. His army is... Uh, Going into the city of Jerusalem. And David has to flee. He has to be on the run again. Remember he was on the run before he was king when King Saul. God had abandoned Saul and said I'm no longer going to sanction you. And Saul goes after David with jealousy. And now David has to flee again after he's king because of his own son. There's several applications, uh, personal applications for all of us in this section of 2 Samuel. I almost entitled this message and went another route that I'm going to go to now called In Hot Pursuit. almost called it In Hot Pursuit. Not because Absalom was in hot pursuit of David, but because we also see in this text how God was in hot pursuit of David and how David had grown in the Lord. And we're going to see some wonderful things in this section this week and in weeks to come about David's character and how God had built him up. You know, troubles and tri- trials, they they help us to grow, don't they? They give us uh, insight in how to live for the Lord and do what uh, we ought to do and behave like we ought to behave, have the attitudes that we ought to have. We learn in troubles and trials that, the Lord is going to take care of us, and we're going to see some evidence that David had learned those things as we proceed through this text, but I want to approach it in a different way, and so the title of today's message from the text is, Are You With the King? And I'm going to ask three questions from this text. Now, it seems like it's a lengthy text, but we're going to go through it pretty quickly, and... Uh, I hope and pray that you will um, learn something and see something. Now, the Bible is a book about Jesus. The people in the Bible, like David and all, they just make an appearance. The Bible is designed to tell us about Jesus, about God reconciling the world unto Himself in Christ. So we're going to see pictures of Jesus in this as we go through with it. And so what we're going to do is we're going to ask a question. And then we're going to read some text and give some insights, hopefully, and some application. And uh, we'll go from there. And so, uh, look with me in chapter 15, and we're going to see, at the very first of all, verse 13. And there came a messenger to David as he sat in the palace. The hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. And David said unto all of his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us and smite the city with the edge of the sword. So once again, David is on the run. And we're going to go through this text and we're going to see the people who got on the run with him. We're going to see who went with him on this long, treacherous night of escape from Absalom. And so the first question we ask is, who is with the king? So let's look at some of the different people who are with the king. The first thing we see is that serving people are with the king. Whether he's in the palace or whether he's on the prairie, whether he's uh, sitting on his throne or whether he's going through terrain that is in the wilderness, fleeing. These people were with David. They were with David. The Bible says in verse 13, the servants of David followed him out. They packed up and they fled with him. These household servants, I don't know how many there were. I don't know how many of them were men, how many of them were women, how many of them had families. All I know is, is that they were very faithful servants of the king and they were going to follow him through thick and thin. They could have stayed at the palace and said, well, we'll just pledge loyalty to Absalom. But they did not do that. They packed up and said, let's go, King David. We're ready to go. Now, there's much to say about them. There's many things to say about the servants. We could spend all day on this verse of the servants of David. But I just want to to, show you two things about them. First of all, they were a very disappointed people. I didn't say they were disappointing. I said they were a disappointed people. Because as we read last week, there was one of them who had claimed to be a servant of the king, who looked like a servant of the king, acted like the servant of the king, but in his heart he had some anger and bitterness. I'm talking about a man by the name of Ahithophel. Have you ever met anybody by the name of Ahithophel? Well, I want to tell you, you probably haven't. If you have, just keep that guy to yourself. But anyway, uh, if you have, that's okay. But I want to tell you something about Ahithophel. You've seen his like. He painted a beautiful picture, but he harbored a grudge because Ahithophel was Bathsheba's grandfather. He lost three family members because of David's actions. But yet it seems everything's great, but all of a sudden that old hatred, when it sees an opportunity, it comes out and Ahithophel, who in the palace, in the palace, looks like he's one of the faithful servants of the king. He betrays David and sides with Absalom. And these people see it and they view it and it disappoints them. Their heart is no doubt broken. But despite him, they stay true to the king. And then we see another thing about these people. They are fearful, but they are very faithful. Can you imagine how afraid they must have been that night when the alarm went out through the palace, the king's household, and said, pack up, take your necessities, one bag apiece... And we're going to flee because Absalom is entering the city. And he could kill us all if he catches us in the city. So we've got to go. And they began the evacuation. Can you imagine mamas with young children? Can you imagine teenagers? Can you imagine moms and dads and parents and grandparents? The aged, the middle aged, the young. The fear that must have captivated these people. Can you imagine such a thing? I wonder how many of them forgot their phone charger. Boy, that'd be a panic, wouldn't it? They were fearful, but they were very faithful as they fled with the king. You see, notice what they said in these verses. In verse 15, And the king's servants said unto the king, Behold, thy servants are ready to do whatsoever my lord the king shall appoint. Whatever you say, David, we're going to do. And the king went forth and all his household after him, and the king left ten women, which were concubines, to keep the house. And the king went forth and all the people after him and tarried in a place that was far off. They said, We are ready to do whatever you would have us to do. Folks, that is a true servant of the Lord. That's somebody who is really with the king. Now, Take a, a little break from our, our pattern here and notice that David leaves 10 of his concubines behind. Now, we're going to see this uh, next week, uh, some significance about this next week, but it's almost as if David, in the midst of fear and turmoil and trouble, he leaves these 10 concubines behind. Now, we know David's marriages and we know David's concubines and we know the trouble it brought to his house. But the point being today is, as he left them behind and it's almost as if to say, I'm coming back, so you just take care of the house while I'm gone. Isn't that kind of like how we follow the king and how we live the Christian life when trouble comes and turmoil comes and danger comes? We, we have a kind of a mixed approach of fear, but also faith, of great anxiety, but also some anticipation that everything's going to be all right. Well, everything was going to be all right, but not necessarily for these ten women, as we will see in the future. So the point is, serving people serve the king. But look at verse 18, and we see a couple of other type of people that serve the king, that are with the king. And all his servants passed on beside him. And then notice this. All the Cherethites and all the Pelethites and all the Gittites, 600 men which came after him from Gath, passed on before the king. I would say from these men, these 600, we see that surrendered people are with the king. I say that because of who these guys are. Who are the Cherethites? Who are the Pilathites? Have you ever met a Cherethite? Well, if you've been to Israel, you might have met one of their descendants. You might have met a Peliphite's descendants. These men were all Philistines, the number one enemy of Israel. These men were all Philistines. The the, the word Cherith uh, is is a reference to uh, the island of Crete from where the Philistines migrated from and settled in what is now Gaza today, you see? And that's where the name Palestinian comes from, Palestine, Philistine, you see? Well, these men were men who had been with David, 600 of them, for years. When David, before he was king, when he was fleeing from Saul, you might recall that he fled to the Philistines, and he fled to Gath. That's where Goliath was from. And he fled to Gath to escape King Saul. And David carried himself very well and was a great witness for Jehovah God, although he shouldn't have been there. And these men followed David ever since. These men had been with David for over 30 years, faithful with the king. They were mighty men of valor. They had been with David all these years. Some of them were his bodyguards, his personal bodyguards. These were men who once were the enemies of David, but when they got to know David and saw David and heard David, they laid down their weapons and they surrendered to David their whole lives. Doesn't that sound like somebody who is saved? When when you see Jesus, you're once his enemy in your sin, But when you see him and you get to know him and you experience him and and see his wonder and his grace and his goodness and his glory, you lay down your weapons and become faithful to the king. So these people were with the king, surrendered people. They surrendered their weapons. And they'd been with David for over 30 years. I think of the older saints of God in our church. Let me ask you, let's just do this there. How many of you have been saved, born again, for more than 30 years? Stand up for more, and I'm standing up too. Look at this. Amen. Now stay standing, but look around. We got a good number who've been saved less than that. Hallelujah. Amen. So you may be seated. Thank you for your faithfulness. 30 years ago, plus, you laid down your weapons. And said, No longer am I against the king, King Jesus. I'm going to surrender to be with the king, and I'm going to follow the king. Amen. Isn't that a good picture of, of uh, the senior saint? Amen. And by the way, they're still fighting with David, they hadn't folded up yet. That's good preaching. Amen. And then go on and look at verse 19. Then said the king, um, to Ittai, the Gittite. the Ittai the Gittite was a young man from Gath. He's a Philistine as well who would surrender to the king. But there's a difference between him and the others. He's coming along with the king. And he says, the king says to him, Wherefore goest thou also with us? Why are you coming with us? Return to your place and abide with The king, Absalom, stay with whoever is going to be king, for you're a stranger and an exile. Whereas thou came yesterday. These men came 30 years ago. You just showed up in the king's palace, my palace, yesterday. Ittai, you're a young believer. You're a young servant of the king. And he says, you came yesterday. Should I this day make thee go up and down with us? It's going to be hard. We're going to be going up a mountain, down a mountain, up a hill, round a hill, down a hill. It's going to be tough. Seeing I go whither I may, return now and take back your, your, your kinfolk. Mercy and truth be with you. And Ittai answered the king and said, as the Lord lives... And as my Lord the king lives, surely in what place my lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also will thy servant be. And David said to Ittai, Go and pass over. Well, come on, then. Come on. And Ittai the Kittite passed over, and all his men and all the little ones that were with him, and all the country wept with a loud voice, and all the people passed over, the king who himself passed over, the brook Kidron. And all the people passed over toward the way of the wilderness. What we learn in Ittai is that steadfast people are with the king. Here was a young convert to David, to Judaism. Like it was yesterday, not, not long at all. And all of a sudden hard times come. But he had a heart for King David And it didn't deter him. He said, whatever befalls, David, I'm in it all the way. When I made a commitment to you, i meant it with all my heart. This is just a test to see my loyalty. And you got it. And as a matter of fact, I'm bringing all my kinfolk and even my little children on this dangerous journey. You know what, folks? Some of you might not have been saved very long. You might have been saved just a few years ago or a few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago. But I want to tell you, the test is coming one day and there's going to be trouble in your life. But if you really know the king, you're going to stay with him. You're going to stay with him, regardless of how dangerous it is. Look, these folks that stood up a while ago, all these Cherethites in our church, they've been saved all these years. They've been through some hard and difficult times. They've been through some doubtful times. They've been with King Jesus through thick and thin and King Jesus never failed them. And He won't fail you. So don't quit. Don't give up. And if you're saved, you got an unction from the Holy Spirit. And stay with it. Amen? That's Ittai the Gittite. Oh, God, give us a thousand Ittais. That is a good name to name your sons and your grandsons. No, you don't want that. And verse 23 Look what it says. It says, And they wept with a loud voice, and they passed over, and they passed over the brook Kidron, and all the people passed over. Wasn't there another king who was rebelled against, who one night with his people passed over the brook Kidron to climb up the Mount of Olives and weep? His name is Jesus when he went to die for our sins. Well, let's continue on. Y'all want some more? Verse 24. And so they're up, there, they're up there across the brook and they're weeping and they're crying and it's sad, but he's got some faithful people with him. And lo, Zadok. Here comes Zadok and all the Levites with him, bearing the ark of the covenant of God. And they set down the ark of God, and Abiathar went up unto all the people, Uh, until all the people had gone, had done passing out of the city. And the king said unto Zadok, Carry back the ark of God into the city. If I shall find favor in the eyes of my Lord, he will bring me again and show me both it and its habitation. In other words, I'll see it again and I'll stay there. But if he thus says, I have no delight in you, David, behold, here am I. Let him do to me as seemeth good unto him. The king said also unto Zadok the priest, Aren't you a seer, a prophet as well? Return into the city in peace, and your two sons with you, Ahemaz and Jonathan. Now, if you're following along close in 2 Samuel, circle the name Ahemaz. We're going to talk about the name Ahemaz. He was the local track star, and we're going to see a little bit about him later on. And your son, and Jonathan, the son of Abiathar, see, I will tarry in the plain of the wilderness until until there come word from you to certify me. Zadok therefore and Abiathar carried the ark of God again to Jerusalem, and they tarried there. From these two men, Zadok and Abiathar, we learn that spiritual people are with the king. These were two priests; they worked in the tabernacle. And they were the ministers to the people to make sure they stayed connected to Jehovah. And they picked up the ark out of the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. The very symbol of the presence and power of God in Israel. And they said, our king is fleeing, let's pick up the ark and go after him. And just like the priests did in Joshua's day when they crossed the Jordan, they stood there with the ark until everybody had crossed over the brook Kidron. And David said, what are you doing here? Take the ark back. And then David says, perhaps God is going to bring me back and I will stay there. And then we just read it a while ago where David says, but maybe not. He may kill me out here in the wilderness. He may let Absalom get a hold of me and I may die here in the wilderness. Doesn't that sound like another king who prayed one day, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That's what David was saying. But these were men, this Zadok and Abiathar, who had two sons that we'll see later. But these two men, they stood with the king, and they carried the very presence of God. The very symbol of the presence of God. They wanted God's people, God to be near his people. They were spiritual men filled with the very presence of God. And so, dear friend, if you're going to be with the king, you're going to have to have the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. You're going to have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, these two men on a practical level did exactly what David said. They went back, took the ark back to the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle where where it should have been and rested. And they begin to watch and see and to help David from within Jerusalem. Next week, we're going to see that. There's some brave men next week. And then, if you go to verse 31, well, look at verse 30, rather. And David went up by the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went up and had his head covered and he went barefoot and all the people that was with him covered every man his head, and they went up weeping as they went up. Does this remind you of another king who prayed, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done on the Mount of Olives, weeping, bearing the rebellion of the people. There he is. And then, look at verse 31. And one came and told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom, And David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. And so, David receives word about the traitor Ahithophel. But notice, real quickly, what did David do? Did he get mad? Did he call Ahithophel names? Did he post something on Facebook about him? Did he decide he was going to just be angry and start cursing him? No. What does the Bible say he did? Verse 31. You just read it. He prayed. He prayed. And he said, Oh, Lord, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. And no sooner than David said, Amen. Look what happens. Verse 32. And it came to pass... That when David was come to the top of the mountain where he worshiped God, wow, would you be worshiping God if your son was trying to take your life? He worshiped God. But notice what happened. Behold, Ushai, the archite, came to meet him with his coat, rent and earth upon his head. In great mourning, this man named Ushai, who we're going to see more of, Ushai came. In answer to prayer. Unto whom David said, if you pass on with me, you're going to be a burden to me. Now, that becomes disheartening for you to be in great mourning and tear your clothes and be weeping and crying and upset and burdened for David. And you make that treacherous journey and climb up the ascent of the Mount of Olives and get on top and you say, King, I'm here. And he says, you're just going to be a burden to me if you go with me. Well, David had a purpose for it. Verse 34, But if you return to the city and say unto Absalom, I will be thy servant, O king, as I have been thy father's servant hitherto, so will I now also be thy servant. Then mayest thou for me defeat the counsel of Ahithophel. See, David just prayed that the marvelous, wise, old counselor Ahithophel would not have the credibility he always has had in the palace. And he prayed and God sent him Hushai to answer his prayer. And verse 35, And hast thou not there with thee Zadok and Abiathar, the two faithful priests? Therefore it shall be that what thing soever thou shalt hear out of the king's house, tell it to Zadok and Abiathar. Behold, they have there with them their two sons, Ahimaaz, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, those two young men. And by them you shall send me word about everything that comes across. So David's starting to connive and plan. You know, it doesn't hurt to be smart. It doesn't hurt to be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove, does it? Oh, David's no dummy. He's got some wisdom. God has answered his prayer. Hushai shows up who is also a very wise counselor as we will see next week. This is a remarkable man. I want to meet him when we get to heaven. And David knows he's the only one who can turn the counsel of Ahithophel. Ahithophel, his counsel was like it came from God in Israel. He had that much stamina, that much credibility. And David said, Lord, they're going to listen to him, and he's brilliant. Turn his counsel against him. Turn his counsel towards right. And God sends Hushai the answer to prayer. Let me ask you something. Have you ever been anybody's answer to prayer? You reckon, oh, Hushai was crossing the Kidron when David was up top praying. And Hushai said in his heart he just had some unction. He needs to go talk to David. Let me tell you something, folks. He got up there and David said, Hushai, you're going to be a burden to me if you stay here. But if you go away and go back to Jerusalem and put on a little show for Absalom, you're going to be an answer to prayer. Let me tell you something, when God puts someone on your heart and on your mind, it's not to start gossiping, it's not to get on Facebook and find out where they had vacation or whose birthday it is. It's time to pray for them and give them a call. Aren't you a Christian? Glory to God, that's good preaching whether you like it or not. And so, we see sound people are with the King. Sound people. Or with the king. As a matter of fact. The twin section of this in 1st Chronicles 27 says. And Ahithophel was the king's counselor. And Hushai the archite was the king's companion. Sometimes you can have a counselor who's not your companion. Be careful about those kind of people. Oh sound people. The people God uses He sent Hushai back into not the lion's den, but something worse, into Absalom's den. When Churchill met with Stalin the first time at the Kremlin, he told his cabinet, I'm going into the ogre's den. And he took a picture and he put a print on it, the ogre's den. This is where Hushai was sent. Next week we're going to see him in the ogre's den. And you're gonna be, you're going to, you're gonna like Hushai. You're gonna to want to be like Hushai. And so, sound people are with the king. That's the first question answered. What kind of people are with the king? Serving people who serve through thick and thin, no matter what. Surrendered people who have been saved. They lay down their weapons and are no longer enemies of Jesus, but they are servants of Jesus. And then also steadfast people. Oh, that young Ittai who said through thick and thin, Lord, I'm with you. Even my family's in danger. I'm with you. And then spiritual people who want to be in the presence of the Lord, they're with the King. They're with Jesus. And sound people are with Jesus. But we have a second question in chapter 16. Not only are you with the King, but are you of the King? There's a difference. See, you can be with the king, but you cannot necessarily, that doesn't necessarily mean you are of the king. There's a lot of people sitting in churches across the country today. They're with the people of God, but they're not of the people of God. There's a lot of people out there doing, marching with the king, doing the king's work, but they're not of the king. They're either lost and still in their sin, never been saved, or even perhaps. Currently, they are backslidden on God. And we have two examples of that right in chapter 16. Y'all ready? Let's look at them. And when David was a little past the top of the hill, behold, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, remember him? Met him with a couple of Asses saddled, and upon them two hundred loaves of bread, a hundred bunches of raisins, and a hundred of summer fruits, and a bottle of wine. And the king said unto Zeba, What meanest thou by these? And Zeba said, The asses be for the king's household to ride on. And and. Uh, the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine that such as be faint in the wilderness may drink. And the king said, And where is your master's son Mephibosheth? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he abides at Jerusalem. For he said, Today shall the house of Israel restore me, the kingdom of my father. Then said the king to Ziba, Behold, thine or all that pertained unto Mephibosheth. In other words, everything I gave to Mephibosheth now belongs to you, Ziba. And Ziba said, I humbly beseech thee that I may find grace in thy sight, my Lord, O king. We are first introduced to Ziba back when David first becomes king in Jerusalem. He asked a question. He said, is there anybody left alive of the house of Saul, my mortal enemy, Who tried to kill me. The former king. Is there anybody left in his house that I may show kindness unto them? And somebody said, yes there is. Jonathan. Saul's son. Jonathan has a son. Saul's grandson by the name of Mephibosheth. And if you remember Mephibosheth was a young lad. He was crippled in his feet. Because when Saul died. His nurse picked him up and tripped when he was five years old. And his feet were disabled. And David sent and got him. And said, Mephibosheth, all that I have is yours. You're not going to die. You get to eat at my table every day. You remember Mephibosheth. Go back and listen to that message on the grace of God. And Mephibosheth has been living in the king's palace, eating at the king's table ever since. And David even appointed this man named Ziba, who was supposed to be serving Mephibosheth to begin with, as Mephibosheth's servant. Zeba, you do everything Mephibosheth says to do. You are a servant. And now, Ziba shows up. Now, let me back up. The first time we run into Zeba, we see him as lazy. And now we see him as a liar. He shows up and he has all these donkeys loaded down. You know, I heard a sermon on how did Zeba load the donkeys. I'm not going to preach that. First of all, it's somebody else's sermon and If I did that, we'd have to just get up here and do a quote, but uh, it's pretty good understanding. But I want to tell you how he did it. He stole it. That was Mephibosheth's strength. I'll get it out. That's who that belonged to. Those raisins, those grapes, that summer fruit, those donkeys, they didn't belong to him. But he seemed to be the treasurer for Mephibosheth. And he took it to ingratiate himself to David. And he lied about young Mephibosheth. Can you imagine how sorry this man is? He leaves a poor, disabled, crippled person at the whim of Absalom. How depraved is that? And shows up and lies. Let me tell you something else that is easy to miss. If you read through these chapters on past 16, you count the people who followed David outside of Jerusalem. They left Jerusalem, they crossed the Kidron, went up to the Mount of Olives, and they met David on this night. I don't know how many people there were that followed David. But just like Jesus, there were many unnamed people who followed him. Many disciples that followed Jesus. Innumerable. We don't know the thousands that followed Jesus. But we know the name of 12 of them. Do we not? Did you know you can count the people named by name in this text, from chapter 15 all the way through, chapter 17... And there's 12 by name. The rest of them are unnamed. And one of them was Zeba. Didn't Jesus have 12 named disciples? And one of them's name was Judas. Was selfish and stingy and self-centered and lost and lied and cheated and held the wealth. Did he not? As Zeba, So you can be with the king and not of the king. Jesus said, Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. Folks, I want to tell you something. The only way you can be with God is to be of Jesus. That's the only way. A lot of people do great things. Serve in the church, preach sermons, listen to sermons, sing songs, listen to songs, go to Sunday school, give their tithes and offering. They do a lot of things with the king, but they're not saved. They're not saved. Zeba is one day going to be exposed. We'll see that in a couple of more weeks when David returns to Jerusalem. I hope that's not you. I hope you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Not only with Him, you're of Him. And by the way, if you're of Him, you'll be with Him. But you can be with Him without being of Him. And so, selfish people are with the King. Selfish people. They don't know the King. They don't love the King. They're just in it for themselves. And then we come to verses 5 through 14. we got one more. You're going to like this guy. Spirited people are with the king. Spirited people are with the king, but they're not necessarily of the king. If I classify Ziba as a picture of the lost church member, the lost religious person, this guy next would be the backslider, the one who temporarily is a little off. Let's read about him. Verse 5 of chapter 16. And when the king, and when King David came to Bahurim, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, one of Saul's kinfolk come out, whose name was Shemai, the son of Girah. He came forth and cursed still as he came. Now, you got you got a picture. David is kind of in a in a valley coming down from the Mount of Olives, going to Bahurim and and this guy Shammai is on the side of a hill and he's on the high ground and he starts cussing out David as he's walking along. Can you imagine that? You ever been cussed out from the top of a hill? Have you ever cussed anybody out from the top of a hill? Look what happened. And he cast stones at David and at all the servants of King David and all the people that, and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. So all those Cherithites are surrounding David and there's an entourage of people, and this, this dude's up there on the side of the hill cussing them and throwing rocks at them. Just get that picture. Can you imagine such a thing? And thus said this is This is what he said, laced with profane words. Come out, come out, thou bloody man, and thou man of Belial, you useless man. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, And whose stead thou hast reigned, and the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom your son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief. Behold, thou art a bloody man. So this old boy, he's he's saying, David, you're getting what you deserve for what you did to my family, for what you did to my king, Saul. You're getting what you deserve. And he's throwing those rocks, boy, big old rocks. And then verse 9, one of my favorite backsliders in all of the Bible. I love this guy. Then the king, uh, then said Abishai, the son of Zariah. Now Zariah was David's sister. So this this guy is David's nephew, the brother of Joab. Joab was David's general. We'll talk more about him in weeks to come. And Abishai says, why should this dead dog curse my Lord, the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. Isn't that wonderful? I had a, in my very first church, I had a church member named Danny Joe. I baptized Danny Joe. Danny Joe was not a lineman on the Alabama Crimson Tide. But if he had played for him, he'd have been the line. He was huge. And I baptized him and baptized his wife. And uh, he was just an old country boy, and I loved him to death. We hunted together and and carried on together. Sometimes I I couldn't go hunting with him because you don't deer hunt in July. But anyway, um, Danny Joel was pretty rough. And upon a day... A lady in the church got on me, and I mean, she was mad at me about something. She's letting everybody know. Thank God we didn't have Facebook by then, but she's letting everybody know how mad she was and all that about me and what I should have done, and questioning me and all that, and motives. You know how it do. you know how it goes. And Danny Joe came to see me one Sunday. He said, "Hey, you want me to go whoop her husband?" And I said, yes, no, 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 no. Looking back on it, should have let him do it. No, I'm playing. But Abishai said, let me take off his head. We're going to see some more of Abishai. He's a spirited man. You ever met people who love the Lord? They're with the king, but they have moments where they're not of the king in spirit because they're not filled with the Holy Spirit and let their temper get away with them. The flesh kicks in and and they, they, they act fleshly. They yield to the flesh rather than to the spirit. They're good people, good church members, good followers of the king, but the fact is they're in the flesh and they want to cut people's heads off. This is this guy. But notice what David says, real quickly. David says, verse 10 And the king said, What have I to do with you, O ye sons of Zerah? You sons indicates that Joab's kind of in the middle of it. So let him curse, because the Lord has said unto him, Curse David. Who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou not done so? Let's not get into argument over. What God, he thinks God's telling him to do. Let's just let him do his thing. That's hard to do. And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son, which came forth of my bow, seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? He says, I've got somebody on my own son trying to kill me. Why not let this Benjamite do it? Why not? Join the club, young man. Let him alone and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look upon mine affliction and that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. I'm just going to leave it up to the Lord. And as David and his men went out of the way, Shammai went along on the hillside over against him and cursed as he went and threw rocks at him and cast up dust. He just kept throwing a fit. (laughs) Keep on at it, keep on at it. David said, basically, I'm just going to leave him up to the Lord. He might have some good points. Maybe we ought to listen to what he has to say. But in the end, he just made himself look like a fool, didn't he? Huh? Boy, when you're in the flesh, that'll happen every time. Let me share something, one more thing with you about this. Probably 30 years prior, close to 30 years prior, David was not king. He was running from Saul. And he was out in the wilderness and he told his men, some of these same men, just, let's just patrol the area and let's just keep people safe. They're, they're you know, we want a good name in this community. And Sheep-shearing time came. And so David sent some of his men to go talk to a farmer, a sheep farmer by the name of Nabal. Remember that? And he goes to Nabal, and Nabal, the Bible says, was a churlish man. And Nabal said, Who's this David fellow? I've seen him catting around all over town. There's all kinds of vagabonds these days. Go back and tell him he's not getting anything from me. Or he probably said it this way. He ain't getting nothing. Go back and tell him to, to, to that he needs to go back to the house. He's, I don't have anything to do with him. So the servants of David, soldiers of David, went and told David. And David said, get your swords. Get on your horses. We're going to go kill him. And David said, I swear to you this night, he will not breathe another breath after this night. And Abigail, Nabal's husband, finds out about him. She meets David in the way and stops David and says, David, you're going to have to calm down and forgive my husband. He is a mean man. He's a mean man. So here's here's some sheep and here's some food. He doesn't know about it. Can we just keep the peace? And David said to that woman, you are a stronger person than me. You're better than me. I was ready to kill him. But you have taught me a lesson. Now, 30 years later, David's growth is manifested. Just let the guy throw his rocks, guys. Abishai, what do I have to do with you? Let him do it. He ain't hurt nothing. Oh, he's bothersome and trouble. We've got to dodge rocks every now and then, but that's all right. Absalom's after me. Just leave him alone. And eventually, people will see him for what he is. So spirited people are with the king, but they're not of the king. Folks, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so we can be of the king and have his spirit. Third question. Are you with the king? Look at verse 14, and we're done. Chapter 16, verse 14. And the king and all the people that were with him. Came to their destination. Weary and tired. And refreshed. Themselves there. David had nowhere to lay his head that night. Didn't we have another king who had nowhere to lay his head? David's greater son Jesus. He had been rejected. Had relatively few followers. Yet. Yet. He and his people refreshed themselves there. Listen, if you will follow Jesus, like these people follow David, if you will follow Jesus, let me share something with you. It's not going to be easy. It's not an easy road. The rest he'll give you is not a rest from turmoil, struggle, and trial. As a matter of fact, when you, if you were to give your life to Jesus today... Your best life is not now. It's in heaven. And you will add more trouble to your life. Because you might be persecuted for your faith. In Christ Jesus. You'll have another enemy after you get saved. And that's the devil. And so it won't be easy. These people were faithful. Aside from Zeba, They were tired and weary. His enemies will become your enemies if you follow the king. But he said, Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, I'll strengthen you. I'll give you that place that we sang about a moment ago. Peace, strength, rest, faith, confidence, assurance, a home in heaven. So are you with the king?